From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Welcome to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zuma Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM in the greater Toronto area. All of you watching the, the YouTube live stream and uh, those of you who join us every week, so dedicated, so supportive on the, uh, the live chat on YouTube. Uh, those of you who uh, catch us on the podcast at iTunes and TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, TalkZone.com. Uh, let's not forget the um, the apps, the Zuma Radio app and the cons- uh, the Conspiracy Show app, both free downloads, so you can take us with you wherever you go on your mobile device. And um, what else? I think that covers it. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines now until the bottom of the hour, and then we'll be joined by George Norrie. And uh, he has a new book out called Mad as Hell. And uh, we're delighted to have uh, George with us, and he's prepping as we speak back in uh, Los Angeles for uh, Coast to Coast tonight. And uh, so good of him to join us just before showtime. So we'll talk to him about that. All right, let me give you the phone numbers, because those are kind of handy when you're doing a phone-in show, I always find. Uh, Jot these down, uh, 416 360 That's the Greater Toronto Area. And then toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. 866-740-4740. All right, uh, before we get to the phones, just uh, a heads-up on uh, next week's program. Uh, Jeffrey Smith, the author of Seeds of Deception, will be with us to talk about uh, genetically modified organisms, GMOs. And uh, then we have Rosemary Ellen Guiley, of course, our paranormal investigator, will join us in the second half. Open lines, another what's in the box, remote viewing experiment. Uh, our panel will be back. And um, jam-packed, as always. That's uh, next week. And then the following week, uh, Albert, we're, uh, we're, we're working on our big uh, special program on targeted jewels. The entire program mm-hmm. will be on targeted individuals. So we'll have a, p- a panel. We have uh, Dr. John Hall. Uh, who else is on that panel? Uh, it's John Rappaport. John Rappaport. Michael Fitzhugh Bell. And uh, we're, we're looking, the last half hour, we're trying to get solutions. Or like, how did they fend? That's right. They're right. trying to track down uh, Roger Tolsis from bugsweeps.com. Uh, so the, uh, in two weeks' time, we'll do the entire program. will be dedicated to targeted individuals. And this is kind of cool. We're getting John Rappaport to come on. I don't know that he's ever talked about this on the air. Um, but um, I know a number of people in, uh, a number of victims and also advocates in the targeted individual community, if I can use that term, have asked me about getting John Rappaport. They so respect this gentleman, as do I, that, that they, they wanted him to weigh in on this. So we'll do that. Uh, that's coming up in two weeks' time. All right. Uh, let's just dive in right now. And uh, let's see. Let's say hi to uh, Gary is checking in from California. Gary, welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Richard. Um, you don't have to respond to this with your own opinion, but I have been looking all over the Internet for a cause of death or a time of death um, of our Gary Patterson. 
I have not been able to find one, so my flags are a little up. Is there any reason at all for one to suspect, either through um, closing off a heart valve psychically, which I believe can be done according to Bob Monroe, or any other deep state involvement in his death, because I think he was very close at putting the pieces together between George Norrie's aunt dying by the AM radio jumping in the tub, uh, the big bopper, and Buddy Holly, whose plane I do believe was taken out, and especially with Seth Rich and Trump's tweet this morning, which happened on the exact same time as the atomic test that was conducted in Alamogordo, New Mexico, of the bomb uh, that would 30 days later destroy Nagasaki. And I think Gary was on to something, and it all has to do with uh, timing, the occult, and astrology. Wow. Uh, well, Gary, that's pretty heady stuff. Let me tell you something. I, uh, I went to Gary's funeral down in the Knoxville area. Um, it was sudden, but Gary was not well. And um, you're not going to find those sorts of things published online. I mean, those are very personal uh, things uh, in terms of the time of death. I happen to know the, the window of the time of death and the day and the, the roughly the hour and so forth and the circumstances. Uh, and um, no, I mean, <laughs> listen, anything is possible, but... Not that. No, Gary was not well. Still taken to us uh, too soon, or from us rather, too soon. He was 67, and as I say, he was he had a number of of health concerns. Um, but the stuff that Gary wrote about and researched, uh, you know, this is not deep state kind of stuff. This is not the kind of stuff that people get uh, taken out for. You know, this was great rock and roll uh, legends and and. Um, uh, I mean, yes, he talked about the Buddy Holly curse and 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 so forth, but no. Let me let me rest assured. Let me uh, let me. Peggy Sue said that she thought it was deep state when I listened to her interview with you. She didn't exactly call it. She just said powers that wanted to stop rock and roll, and those powers were working on AM radio, which George Norrie's aunt was working with crystals and AM radio, mm -hmm. along with Bob Monroe enhancing remote viewing with AM radio. You look at how good you are, how good uh, uh, George Norrie is, AM radio and remote viewing and remote influencing hmm. all go together with the deep state. And it goes back to World War II and the occult and the Nazis, which infiltrated the deep state, well, in my it, opinion. Yeah, it's uh, listen, it's a fascinating uh, topic, but, you know, out of respect for Gary uh, and his family, uh, it's just it's that's a delicate one, you know, to broach. But I don't I don't believe that in this case. I, yeah, that's why I said you didn't need to comment. Uh, but you know what? That's the same thing that Seth Rich's family is saying, almost identical. All right, Gary in California, thank you for checking in. I will say this: uh, that uh, Gary Patterson found a kind of an interesting uh, date to check out on. Gary loved to talk about. Of course, his first book was uh, The Walrus Was Paul, which was all about the sort of dismantling the Paul is dead legend that's 
sprang out of the 1960s, the late 1960s, with a phone call to a, a rock station in Detroit, one in New York, and all of these clues, supposedly, that led to Paul McCartney dying in a car crash in 1966, being replaced by a, uh, a look-alike and so forth. And then the Beatles, the surviving Beatles, felt so guilty about that, they left all these death clues in their lyrics and, more specifically, on the uh, in the album art on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So that was, I believe, one of Gary's favorite albums. We talked endlessly about it, not only on the radio, but just you know whenever we got together on the phone and so forth. And uh, Gary died May 26, 2017, the 50th anniversary to the day of the release of Sgt. Pepper. So uh, I guess if he was going to check out on a certain date, he picked a good one. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Drew is in Mississauga. Drew, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm doing well, Richard. How are you doing? This Very evening? well, thank you. So I'm not sure if this would ever go against your personal beliefs, maybe even Zoomers. I'm not too sure. But would you ever be willing to debunk the possibility, uh, the power behind a Ouija board uh, on air, maybe, you know, for a special occasion like Halloween? Or I think like no, I think it's a great topic. In fact, um, we... Let's see. We did an episode on the TV show on the um, on spirit communication. Uh, I'm trying to think when that may have aired or whether it. And we started working on it anyway. And there's a gentleman who developed uh, these. They're kind of like they're sensors that go on on your uh, on your fingertips, and then they're wired to some contraption. And then you were a- he was able to determine whether the person participating in the Ouija session. Was you was was using you know their own power to push mm-hmm. the uh, the planchette around the board. The light things would light up and so forth. I don't understand the technology exactly, but that's that's what the technology was designed to do. Was um, not to say that necessarily all Ouija board sessions are, are hoaxes, but in those instances where someone was pushing the planchette, it would it would uh, it would catch them in the act. So. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I, listen, I, I, I don't uh, deny the, a very strong possibility that the vast majority of Ouija sessions um, are either uh, willingly or unwitting, unwittingly um, hoaxes. Right. You know, someone may be doing it subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the vast majority of cases. People are doing I've it seen subconsciously. I've a scenario like that where someone was using a Ouija uh, board uh, blindfolded, and then you're absolutely right, gibberish was spelt out. But yeah. Sure. Uh, listen, I, I um, but, and I've stated this on the program, uh, I do believe in an unseen world. I, I believe in uh, dimensions, uh, an angelic realm, a demonic realm, uh, and who's to, who's to say that they uh, that the demons, for example, or or low entity spirits wouldn't use something like a talking board, as they used to be called, uh, to right. you know to cause mischief. All right, Drew. Thank you for that. I appreciate the call. Have a good weekend, Richard. Bye. Likewise. All right. Let's say hi to uh, now Earl in Oakville. Says he saw Elvis in 1984. Well, Earl, give me details. That's right, Richard. I was anorexic and in the hospital, the old Oakville Trafalgar Hospital. I was in the Lawson Building. One night, um, I was watching television. There was a woman in the room with me, and this gentleman comes comes into by just. But past the room, we're in the hallway where I'm looking, and he's in a uh, in a sweat sweat shirt and a pair of slacks, and he goes to this other room. And I look at, I look at this guy. He's about 50 years old. He looks exactly like Elvis Presley. 
Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, holy smokes, man. I I mean, if I didn't see it for myself, I, and he was heavy, too. Right. He's about 260, 280 pounds. Then it must have been him, or there's no other <laughs> possible conclusion that you saw a man yeah, in sweatpants. Yeah, UFO sighting. said Elvis sighting or something else. Right? Now, why would Elvis be yeah, in a hospital in Oakland? Hospital? Well, he was visiting a friend in the... Because it was the Lawson building, and that's where us patients were. That okay. I, was, I was anorexic. They were weighing me every week to make sure I was gaining weight. Right. I was ninety something pounds, Richard. Oh my. Yeah, I had I had to gain some weight. They wouldn't let me out of the hospital. Well, you obviously you uh, you're still here, so you beat that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, it's a long time ago. It's hard, you know, to re- recollect all that. But um, well, 1984, yeah, you saw like Elvis. Elvis. Was... Was Elvis's fiftieth birthday that uh, night? And, uh, yes, he would have been around fifty. So he obviously, been 50. obviously, yeah. he took time off from the Burger King in Kalamazoo, <laughs> Michigan, and he came up to visit a sick friend in Oakville. Hey, uh, why not? Uh, this is the Earl segment of the show. <laughs> it is indeed, Earl. Always uh, a pleasure. Thank you for that. Uh, all right, Paul is in Oshawa with uh, our weekly UFO sighting uh, roundup. Paul, welcome. How are you? Hi Richard, happy 150. Thank you for taking the call. My pleasure. And I did, here. I did check out your latest photographs uh, that um, that you sent me, and uh, this was this this shiny, glimmering object. Now, first of all, it took me a while to find it in the original photograph. It was pretty small, but then I saw it, and then I saw the close-ups, and um, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's there's something there, definitely. But is that an artifact? Uh, when you when you zoom in on something like that, you know, with a, with um, what kind of camera did you use first of all? I used a can a Canon SX uh, seventy. And what kind of lens? Uh, it's it's got a a thirty x zoom. Okay. And uh, those pictures you have there, the object was sighted about half a mile away, right, to the north. Um, just to give you the story. Okay, uh, I, I gotta I gotta run. We'll take a break here. Hold on, Paul. Sure. And uh, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll hear from Paul in Oshawa and uh, we, what is becoming kind of a weekly segment. Uh, this guy sees more UFOs in an hour than Kenneth Arnold saw in a lifetime. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. There's the man right there on the cover of Mad as Hell, George Norrie, standing by. He'll join us momentarily. And he is back in uh, Los Angeles preparing for uh, Coast to Coast as we speak. All right. uh, Open lines now until the uh, bottom of the hour. Before we get back to Paul in Oshawa, who's uh, sharing his latest uh, UFO experience, and he sent me a bunch of photographs. And um, I got to tell you, there's something going on there. I mean, these ones, the close-up of this object that he saw, Hovering from about a half a mile away, um, I don't know. It, it, it looks. It's not a. It's not a plane. It's not a helicopter. It's not a bird. Uh, there's something going on there. Is all I'm saying. And I don't. I'm not. Um, I'm not prepared to tell you that it's um, an alien uh, piloted spacecraft. But uh, uh, anyway, I want to share this with you. Uh, I just found this funny. Uh, Mojo family, uh, good friends of the uh, the program down in Colorado, and. Um, he tweets, uh, I, I think it's uh, Daddy from Mojo Family, he says, I was a bit rushed, and once again I tweeted TCM remote, which is Turner Classic Movies. <laughs> All right, that's uh, T 
TCS remote is uh, the conspiracy show. And if you do to- uh, if you do tweet TCM remote, yes, it would probably go to uh, Turner Classic Movies. And right now, they're scratching their head saying, what the heck is going on? All right, let's uh, say hi to uh, Paul once again in Oshawa. Uh, so, Paul, the backstory of this, uh, when was this photograph taken? It was on July 8th, 2016, okay. which coincidentally was the Roswell anniversary that I found uh, 69 years ago that year. All right. Um, was Roswell so on the 16th? I thought it was um, like the... F- July 8th. It was, uh, yeah, was July 8th, right. Okay. So uh, normally I go out for break in the afternoon with some people, and I was chatting with uh, three people when I came out, and two went in. So there was me and the one fellow left. And then about after five minutes, uh, to the north, we could, I could clearly see an object come down from the sky, level out about 100 to 150 feet high, moving towards the west. And I alerted the coworker and I said, quick, run with me. And we ran through the parking lot to the north about 70 yards and stopped. And I started filming it and it took me a couple of minutes for him to see it. And he could confirm he could see it. And what we could see was a dark, uh, object, roundish, flashing a very brilliant white light. It stayed stationary as uh, we finally reached there watching it. He could see it, and uh, every 30 seconds to a minute, it started to go up higher in elevation, straight up. Let me ask uh, you, Paul, where do you, where is this place? I know you work in Oshawa. You don't have to give me the company name, but I mean, every time no, you go no, for no, a break... I, I you live go, in Oshawa. I work in Scarborough. Okay, but every time you go in for a break... area is at the Warden and Eglinton area. It's an industrial area of uh, different... Uh, Warden and Eglinton. Okay, I know the area. I can picture it in my mind's eye. Um, yeah. And uh, so, but, but every time you go for a break, above your building, there seems to be... A UFO. I mean, are you, de- are you involved in the uh, with a defense contractor or something? What's going on? I don't know what to tell you. I just uh, have an eye for looking up in the sky, uh, and at times, uh, you know, they pop out uh, within you know uh, sheer minutes. And a lot of them have been slow uh, and high, and uh, shape have been different. Be it round, be it long, right. So uh, every, even vertical. Everyone at work must refer you to as the UFO guy, right? I mean, you must be known throughout the company as the guy who sees UFOs. Yeah, some somebody there has uh, marked my department as uh, Area 51. Is that right? Yeah. And And so now when you go out for a break, do people tend to want to come out there with you because they think they may get to see a UFO? I have a couple of interested people who do want to come out and see. And, you know, everybody, uh, you know, is doing their own thing when it comes to break. So um, I, I the, the couple of guys I'm talking about, uh, both of the witnesses actually for this sighting have seen uh, two others with me. All right. And you you took these photos that you sent me. Yes, I did. And do your coworkers take photographs as well? Uh, one has attempted and he brought his camera once, but he hasn't brought it since. Uh, I always have my camera with me. I always take it to work, and uh, I get excited when I see a clear sky. And, uh, you know, uh, the frequency in 2016, uh, I saw 60 sightings. I kept record. 60 and that was, sightings. that was the highest I've seen ever since I really took notes since 2003. 60 sightings. That must be some kind of a record for one individual. It is for me. And... Uh, Today, uh, I had a sighting. I'm up to 25. 
So I may be breaking the record from last year. You've seen 25 UFOs in 2017. In, in 2017, yeah. And all in, in, in and around your workplace in Scarborough? Uh, and also in Oshawa. Where you live? Yes. Any videotape? I mean, the and I, you, you send me uh, a lot of JPEGs, photographs. And I, I did attach a, a video clip for that particular sighting, which you'll get oh, did briefly you? for five or six seconds. If oh. you slow it down to 0.25 speed, you will see the object. Oh, hang on. You, 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 uh, you posted this on YouTube, didn't you? Yes. Okay, so if I click on the this. Link, the link is sent uh, in the email with the first batch of pictures I sent you. Uh, just uh, about a half an hour ago, I sent you the originals with the uh, full uh, MBs because the other ones were kind of poor. I wanted to give you more clarity on the originals, so when you review those, you'll find them much better. Okay, now I've just opened up the YouTube, and I'm going to look at it here. It is kind of shaky. Okay, there's something above the hydro line, the hydro wires. Okay, it's now it's, yeah, it was there for a very short time. Hang on. Yes, Let me that's why up. you would have to slow it down at point. Oh, I see. There it is. There uh, it on is. the speed to get a better look at it. It's very sort of spherical, and uh, it's sort of descending, and then you lose it. You lose sight of it. Did you lose sight of it, or did it disappear? No, that's that's just uh, because you're, you're trying to zoom in such a great distance, and it's moving. Right. And there, unfortunately, I don't have an eyepiece on this camera, ah. and I, I wasn't using a tripod either. Uh, I, I may be inclined to maybe start bringing a tripod to work. Not a bad idea, uh, because you know, you're seeing these things with such frequency. Now the key is for you to capture, you know, high quality visual evidence, and whether it's uh, a video or or a photograph or a, a photograph, a still photograph. I mean, the key is to have, you know, the best possible uh, resolution and so forth. So. Yeah. Be upgrading my cameras too. All right, Paul. Always a pleasure and uh, fascinating as always. And I have to, I have to commend you. The latest uh, round of uh, photographs that you sent me, I saw something. There's definitely something there. I have better coming to you next week. All right. You should put out a coffee table book or something. So prolific. All right, Paul in Oshawa with his uh, weekly roundup of UFO sightings. Twenty-seven in one week. Can you believe that? Now, Albert, what do you make of you haven't seen any of these. Uh, I should forward these to you. You haven't seen these photographs, have you? No, I haven't seen them yet. But I was wondering what, who he would think the occupants are. And if he has a way to summon them, he, he should go to the next level, try try to, you know, say hello. Now, you how many how many UFOs have you seen? Can you top 27 in 20 in, in – uh, no, you know 60 is his record. Yeah, yeah see, that's – I, I like Valet where he goes, you know – Jacques Valet. Yeah. Close encounters of the third kind, you've, you've got to get to who's the occupant and then Yeah, but I asked you, how many have you seen? Um, see, I'm still trying to work with Victor on breaking that story. So, so like, the free energy is there, and it just keeps getting suppressed. He's so, dodging my question, Ryan. <laughs> I asked him how many. That's a pretty black and white question. How many UFOs do you believe you've seen? I, I, I know one for certain where okay. it's the occupant, and they, they uh, abducted a woman, and... It, You've took seen, her there and brought her the back. UFO. You've seen the UFO. I, I was able to summon it, yeah. All right. All right, there. There you go. Why are you holding out on me, Albert? I, the, the, the problem is, is he, he doesn't want to say anything. The, the, the problem is to get... Whoops, sorry. <laughs> I'm not the one holding out. <laughs> no, no, but you, you haven't talked to me about this before. I, I, no, we've talked about it on the air many times. About you seeing a woman 
being abducted by a UFO. She, she, she went to the planet where they have zero-point energy. She knows how it works. And, and now her, her lips are sealed. But that's, that's her, her claim, though. But you, you yeah. saw the same UFO. Correct. All right. Well, we'll have to talk about that again. All right. When we come back, George Norrie is with us, mad as hell. America's number one all-night radio host takes on the dangerous world we live in. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Welcome back. One of the things that uh, Coast to Coast AM host George Norrie and I have in common is a deep appreciation for the uh, 1976 film Network, written by a real pioneer, Paddy Chayefsky, uh, directed by Sidney Lumet, starring, of course, the late Peter Finch, uh, who plays the mad prophet of the airwaves, Howard Beale. And, of course, his immortal line in the movie, I'm as mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore. It's right up there among the most memorable lines in film history. And Mad as Hell happens to be the title of George Norrie's seventh book. The host of the nationally syndicated program Coast to Coast AM is broadcast to more than 600 radio stations, streamed over the Internet to millions of people every night. And he joins us live from Los Angeles, where he's preparing to host Coast to Coast AM in just about 30 minutes' time. George Norrie, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Richard, my partner and friend, it's great to be on your show. I'm excited about this. Well, congratulations on Mad as Hell. But i got to ask you, you're such an affable person. It's hard. I mean, I've, I've heard you on the air a few times get angry, but not like seething mad. You're not like Howard Beale kind of raging, you know, at the uh, at the world. What... What caused you to want to, you know, to speak out and, and sort of exercise your anger in this book? I want people to wake up, Richard. It, it's it's time that people stop and just realize that this planet, this country, the United States especially, is an amazing country, just amazing, with our Canadian brothers, of course, to the north. But it's time that people start fighting for their rights and stop this nonsense that seems to be permeating all over the place. Uh, I'm embarrassed. You know, the the constituents voted for Donald Trump. He's our elected president. He needs to do presidential things. I'm as mad as hell when I see what he's doing with his tweets and all this other stuff and this wrestling bout he did with CNN, this little video yes. punching out a, somebody and they put the, they blocked the CNN thing on the guy's face to make it look like he's fighting CNN. It, it comes a time where you got to say enough is enough. We're going through some very difficult times on this planet and in this country, and we need to fix these things. Let's stop playing games. And that's one of the reasons I decided to write the book, Mad as Hell. Well, you, you talk about how you know America today is not the America that you grew up in and, or that your parents and grandparents grew up in. And they were your father, for example, part of what they called the greatest generation. And my father, too, served in the Second World War. Um, but you, we were talking earlier about uh, about fake news and the Project Veritas uh, videos and CNN and so forth. Now you, you were what the youngest program director at a radio station. I think you were like twelve or something. <laughs> it was, but, <laughs> youngest news director in a major market. Yes, twenty eight years old. Uh, I had left Detroit where I was the executive news producer and uh, made my way to Minnesota, Minneapolis 
where a television station hired me to try to fix their alien news department. Hmm. And, you know, and I, I've, been, I've been a news person, Richard, really all my life. The talk radio stuff, we can get into that, came later. But, you know, that's what I am. I'm an Emmy Award-winning news person. Exactly. You know, I know production. I know television news. And, you know, I've done it uh, really since I was 19 years old. So what's changed, George? How did we get to where we're at now? Is it, is it uh, you know, the, the, the business model broke, and so they started hiring young people who really don't know their history? What happened? Money has changed. Uh, look at newspapers, for example, where we really used to have budgets for hard-lined news reporters who would do investigative work, and the newspaper would spend the money to turn them loose to do that not only nationally, but locally, in, in little cities all over the country. Uh, newspapers would devote time in that market to let their reporters do some real solid journalism. They don't have money to do that anymore. The Internet has killed the budgets of newspapers. Um, I'm surprised we still have newspapers, you know, and who knows what's going to happen in the next five years. But money has been a major factor. Technology has affected it. And what has happened now is... They've hired well-intentioned young people out of school and out of college, throwing them into situations where they don't have the kind of experience they need. And consequently, they run with these stories. I mean, uh, when I was 19 and 20 years old working on stuff in Detroit, I was told you check, double-check, triple-check these stories before you put them on the air, even, even if they were fires in a, in a house. You know, you just didn't run with the first thing that you were told. And I think what's happening today is some of these young, well-intentioned reporters uh, are jumping on and, you know, they're going with stories, they're not checking the facts, and they're getting caught. And consequently, you know, a lot of people call it fake news. There's a difference between inaccurate reporting and fake news. Fake news, of course, is just simply making up a story putting it on social network and seeing how far it can go. That happens, and that's dangerous, too. But by and large, uh, you know, the budgets have been slashed, and so we don't have the hard-hitting, well-paid reporters anymore. So we have to rely on inexperience. And with an inexperienced people, you're going to get mistakes. Uh, talk to me about the the erosion of of faith that people today seem to have not only in an institution like the fourth estate but you, you look at the uh, the the, uh, the lack of of support for Congress I think it's around eleven or twelve percent yeah, it's horrible uh, I mean are, is, does this frighten you or is this a, this distrust for our institutions I mean is this an unhealthy thing or is it a healthy thing? Well, it's it's a healthy thing. I think you have to distrust. You have to. You cannot accept everything with a grain of salt. You have to question, and you have to look at everything. What has happened now? And you know, the reason why Donald Trump got elected president was one, Hillary Clinton ran a lousy campaign, but two, people were fed up with politicians, and he's not a politician. He's a businessman, and they wanted change. They wanted something different. Well, they sure did get something different. But that was that was the reason why he got elected. People wanted something different. And I think that shows in the popularity, the lack of popularity in Congress right now. 
You and I both delve into to conspiracies. It's an interesting field, and I, I think you know we'd be in agreement that saying that everything is a conspiracy is about as useful as saying that nothing is a conspiracy. Uh, but one of the things I find that happens is people have a genuine uh, concern, something that there's some evidence out there for. Let's say, for example, weather modification and chemtrails. Uh, and we can't have a healthy discussion about something like chemtrail spraying because the moment you do, you get shouted down as a conspiracy theorist. I know you write about weather modification in, in, in Mad as Hell. You touch on it. What, what, are your, what are your personal thoughts? I don't think I've ever heard you weigh in. I haven't heard you uh, talk about your belief in chemtrails. Are they real? Something's happening. I mean, I wish we could have pilots go public and tell us, hey, you know what, I picked up a load of this chemical, and I'm spraying it, and I'm spraying it either to modify the weather or dumb people down or doing whatever it's supposed to do. But I don't think it's just jet you know, fumes coming and emitting from planes that are flying every day. I mean, there are some days you will look up, the sky is clear, and then in uh, two or three hours you've got these tic-tac-toe patterns all over the place. And if it was just coming from jet you know, trails... Those planes fly every day the same pattern. You'd get that every day, and we're not. We're not getting that. It'd be Something's nice. going on. Yeah, it'd be nice to have an honest discussion about it, and, and I think there's a Pulitzer Prize waiting for somebody out there who wants to do a real investigative, hard-hitting piece on it. George, stay with us. George Norrie, mad as hell, his seventh book, and he's uh, getting ready to host Coast to Coast again tonight. We'll talk about what's in store for the uh, listeners on Coast to Coast as well. Stay with us. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. And uh, George Norrie is with us from Coast to Coast AM, his seventh book, Mad as Hell. And it's a far-reaching uh, book. It, he touches on UFOs and asteroids and EMPs and the paranormal. And uh, the thing is, he, what George... I think prides himself on is just laying out the facts as he knows them and allowing listeners, or in this case the readers, uh, to decide for themselves. I want to talk to you about uh, something I know that um, has you exercised and has for a number of years, and that is uh, the United States' lack of uh, preparation for an EMP, whether it's a, a nuclear device uh, exploded in the, uh, the low atmosphere or a solar flare, uh, that by some estimates an EMP could knock out the U.S. power grid system uh, for years and years and years, you could be looking at 90% fatality rate within one year. Any progress on that, uh, uh, George? Richard, they, they are. They're making some progress. They're taking baby steps, but there, uh, there is legislation that's being worked on that could insulate our power grid. This is something over the last three or four years we have been pushing heavily on coast to coast, uh, thanks in part by uh, two people, uh, William Forstgen, and uh, F. Uh, Michael Malouf, who have written books on EMP attacks or solar flares from the sun. Uh, what a lot of people may not know is back in the 1800s, it's called the Carrington event, mm -hmm. the sun unleashed a massive X flare. Uh, fortunately, we didn't have a lot of electronics going on at, those, in, at that time period. We did have the telegraph system, right. and it cooked it. It shut it down. Uh, an EMP attack, of course, is when a nation detonates a nuke high atop the atmosphere. And so there's no physical structural damage, and there's no immediate deaths because of the bomb. But what it does is the electromagnetic pulse from the bomb shuts down your electrical power grid. And with that gone, just think of all the services that will go belly up. Everything goes. Your ATMs don't work. 
your computers don't work. Everything goes crazy. And, you know, we have been pounding away at both of these issues, solar flares and EMPs, to get the power grid insulated in case one of these events happen, because our country is at risk, severe risk, if that happens. Just remember years ago when Canada had a power outage, it was a disaster for that portion of Canada. Right, right. You know, that was just a, a contained region. What would happen if the entire country went down for a year? They are estimating, as you mentioned, that 90% of the population that is hit by an EMP or solar flare that shuts out the power grid will die because of the lack of social services and services that you could not get. And yet, uh, up until recently, I didn't see anything. Um, I think it was on Fox News. I think T- Tucker Carlson did an interview with somebody on the uh, EMP threat, and he, he, he looked absolutely slack-jawed, like he'd never heard this before. Something that such represents such an existential threat to Western civilization. You would think they would be all over this. You would think so. And, you know, maybe one day we'll be vindicated, when a legislator gets something passed and uh, says, you know what, I want to thank Coast to Coast for doing this and pushing this, because I wasn't aware of it until they told us about it, and uh, and we get this thing done. But it's it's critical. I mean, we are so tied into electricity now and the grid. Everything we do relies on it. I don't understand for several billion dollars, that's all it would take to fix the grid, why companies that exist on the Internet, like Amazon, and Microsoft and people like that who make their money strictly because of the existence of the Internet aren't spending money to help do this because when that goes, their business is toast. Speaking of technology, I want to get your take on, on something that I, I, I believe is also an existential threat uh, to our economy and our way of life, and that has to do with things like artificial intelligence. They're talking about driverless cars. There's like something like 5 million Americans make their living driving a truck. Uh, and we already have seen such, you know, woeful uh, labor participation rates. This is going to have a, a devastating effect on the workforce, and yet nobody seems to be talking about it, at least, you know, in, in Washington or, or here in Ottawa. It would be horrible. And first of all, I'm not getting in a car with, with no driver, let me tell you. Uh, I enjoy driving. Uh, there are a lot of bad drivers wherever I go, but it's it's better than having... Uh, a car with no driver. And what happens if something technologically goes wrong with that car? Somebody hacks into it or something like that happens. And, you know, you're stuck in the back seat and there's nobody in the front driving it. You're up a creek. You're, you know, it's history for you. I am not getting in a car without a driver. Not going to happen. The other, um... The other um, issue I think that uh, is not being discussed, it's certainly discussed on, on Coast to Coast and, and programs like this, and that is the whole transhumanist uh, movement. And this is another thing that's uh, very worrying to me. It's this attitude from the scientific community that just because we can, we should, and we will. Uh, and the idea of, of uh, messing around with what it means to be human, uh, quite frankly, it scares me to death. How about you? Mixing animal parts and human parts and having uh, three people make a baby genetically, all that uh, is playing around with Mother Nature, and it's very, very dangerous. You know, if God wanted us to be able to do all these things, we would have been born that way, and we're not. And I just don't get why they are experimenting with things like that, making uh, chimeras uh, half-human half, half human, 
half animal. It's an abomination as far as I'm concerned, Richard. And if they don't stop, I think something devastating is going to happen. I know tonight on uh, Coast to Coast, you're going to be talking uh, with someone who's uh, talking about resurrecting the woolly mammoth. What do you what do you feel about that? How do you, is that messing with nature, or is that something that we should try and do? Cloning, yeah, you know, you have to decide if cloning is is well worth doing. Um, if it's done, I'm not opposed to cloning if it's pure and natural. Um, I I don't like mixing breeds and you know mixing people and things like that. But uh, I'm really not that opposed to the cloning of. Uh, of a species that might have gone extinct as long as it's, it's, it's pure. The problem is, is I think when you clone, you have to use an egg of a species of today, whether it's a frog egg or whatever, in order to generate that other species. So that could be dangerous, too. Right. I mean, it, it may look like a woolly mammoth, but I suppose genetically it wouldn't be a true woolly mammoth. Still, it, it might, would be cool. It might be an elephant with hair. Right. You know? <laughs> it's still, it would be cool to see woolly mammoths traipsing across the Great Plains once again. George Norrie is with let's us. Let's call it Jurassic Park. Exactly. Mad as Hell, his uh, seventh book. And... Um, uh, I want to, you spend a lot of time obviously talking about UFOs because that's a, a huge subject area that's covered on coast to coast. Now, as someone who has you know toiled uh, in the uh, the vineyards as a journalist for many years, and I'm, I'm guessing you still have many many colleagues who are journalists, what do you say to them if the conversation ever comes up about the way the mainstream media covers the whole UFO ET issue? We talk about that a lot, and. Uh, the mainstream media years ago did handle this a little more diplomatically and a little more seriously. It does not anymore. Uh, over the past five, ten years, it's almost being done with ridicule, ha-ha. Uh, and one of the reasons for that, Richard, is we really don't have the hard evidence, the hard proof of uh, ETs or visitations. Sure, we have great witness testimony, uh, but and the governments may possess something, a craft that crashed or something. But in terms of hard evidence that the public can see and feel and touch, we don't have that. And so it's very difficult to convince people, media-wise or anybody else, hey, this is a real situation. It's, it's really happening. Our approach on Coast to Coast is that we present the story, let people make up their own mind. It's a vast universe. I don't think we're alone in the universe. The big question is, have they been able to come here? And if you look at some of the work of the late Zechariah Sitchin, where he believes that uh, extraterrestrials came here, seeded us, you know, they basically became the initial gods uh, because they wanted worker bees, and that was what they created us for. But it's pretty compelling, and it's fascinating, and it's well worth listening to other people talk about this. But we need some more hard evidence. You, you don't, uh, you know, talk about your your faith, and I'm not going to try to pin you down here. But I'm wondering if you're ever conflicted by uh, topics that come up on the on the program, because maybe they don't square with with your your personal faith. Maybe something to do with the paranormal, or uh, you know, maybe. Maybe it has to do with UFOs and ETs. For example, you know, if if there's a if there's a god, uh, what does that say about UFOs and the existence of life on other planets when we're supposed to be unique in the universe? Never conflicted. I'll have people on the show that 
uh, share my views. I'll have people on my show that don't share my views. Very rarely will you get my dictatorial presence of, of how I feel about something. I'm not going to ram it down your throat. I want you to decide. So when we talk about life after death, which is going to be a segment on Coast to Coast tonight, um, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you, you know, there is life after death or there isn't life after death. It's the same with the flu vaccine. I'm not going to tell you to get the shot or not get the shot. I will tell you what I do. I don't get the shot, and I haven't had the flu in God knows how long. But you decide what you want to do for yourself. And that's what we do with just about every topic on Coast to Coast. I'm not going to tell you there's a God. I'm not going to tell you there isn't a God. You decide when you hear from our different guests who talk about this in different ways. The vaccine issue is such a, a touchy area. I mean, it's one of those things that you can get yourself taken off a Christmas card list if you're, you know, you're talking to the wrong people about it. Um, again, going back to your, you know, your colleagues in, in the mainstream media, uh, if that topic ever comes up, I mean, do you ever, do you ever feel like you're, you're being maybe chastised because of some of the topics that you broach, like vaccines? Because according to them, the science is in on vaccines, right? They're safe and they're effective. Well, then we bring out scientists who talk about the possibility of uh, autism and other uh, afflictions caused by multiple vaccines. And then all of a sudden, those people who are skeptical, um, they don't have much room to jump, and uh, they, they become defensive. Um, so, you know, I will just present the views people can make up their own mind like climate change you can't win the argument no but what you can do is point out to people hey this planet has had higher co2 levels during the dinosaur era we didn't have factories then and when you start talking in terms of that it's hard for them to answer it george you know thank god for for programs like coast to coast because there aren't many spaces left where you can have these kind of conversations anymore because everyone else is just operating in their own echo chamber uh george absolutely richard you're you're absolutely right i mean we we are what you do what i do it's uh, very rare and we have to keep doing it we have to carry the torch because eventually it's going to pay off for everybody. Well, you've got a show to do, my friend. Uh, yes, sir. In the meantime, congratulations on Mad as Hell, your seventh book, and uh, we'll listen to you on Coast to Coast in mere moments. And in time, we'll listen to you again, filling in for me. End of the month. Thank you, George. Thanks, Always a pleasure. Bye-bye. George Norrie. My thanks to Ian Roberts and Albert Vinzel, Ryan White, as always, for their terrific work. program wouldn't be possible without them, and I don't tell them that nearly enough. And that'll be the last time I tell them this year. Just kidding. Thanks, guys. All right, back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.